a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Liz and Matt. When we last spoke to you, we were talking about uh, Star Wars Visions, an excellent animated series on Disney+. Plus. We are here tonight to talk about uh, Star Wars, sorry, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales, another excellent animated uh, adventure on Disney+. Plus. At least yeah. excellent from, from my perspective. So, Matt and Liz, what did you guys think of this? Matt, y- you agree with me, so why don't you start us off? No, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, it very much um, felt like a uh, a nice mashup of Star Wars, uh, the jokiness of Lego, and then, um, what are they, Tales from the Treehouse? Or they they stopped that like 25 years ago on Simpsons. Uh, uh, Treehouse of Horror. Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> Treehouse of Horror. It felt very much that vibe, and I liked that a lot. Um Again, shockingly well done. The animation budget, high class. The uh, voice acting, high class. I I wonder the budget of this compared to some of these other things that we're watching. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm big fan, big fan. Liz, what do you think? Yeah, I I agree. I was also a big fan. Um, I I enjoy uh, something that perhaps has a dramatic opening and then takes a, a swift comedic turn um, <laughs> and perhaps <laughs> unexpected uh, comedic relief from various characters I also do enjoy and also it, it does seem you know Star Wars generally takes itself fairly seriously so it's nice to enjoy some Star Wars that is uh, generally uh, comedic in nature and uh, I, I really enjoy um, small little jokes like General Weezus and things like that uh give me all all jokes like that (laughs) yes i concur um yeah i thought this was a lot of fun i i -hmm. have sort of a big question about it that i'm going to save for a few minutes from now uh which i which we've kind of talked about before with lego stuff but for now let's just let's just talk about this um no i i think that this is exactly the type of star wars stuff that i can show to my kids who have varying levels of interest in um, in Star Wars because it's funny enough and there's some cool animation and all of that. You know, it's overall it's just it's one of those things where it has a lot of a cross generational appeal. I mean, my wife, who's never seen a Star Wars movie, watched the Christmas special with us last year, and mm. she enjoyed it. So mm. I I think it shows you know the 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 overall appeal of it. I also think that. For real Star Wars heads like us, there's a lot of stuff like very minute, nerdy Star Wars stuff in this. Yeah, but it a doesn't... lot of shot for shots. Yes, yeah. but but it, but it doesn't like it doesn't alienate the people who don't know that stuff. It does a really good job of appealing to a broad base, and I think that is such an important thing for Star Wars to do right now. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So the way that this is structured is there there are a couple of different stories sort of uh, built around this setting, which is uh, on Mustafar, which is where Vader's castle was, that there's going to be a luxury resort uh, <laughs> built out of his castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
It just so happens that Poe Dameron and BB-8 crash land there, and so that's how they get there. But we meet uh, a hut. We meet a young boy who is Force-sensitive. We meet a new Sith apprentice. There are some pretty fun characters introduced here. Uh, were any of the new characters favorites of yours? <sighs> I mean, I, Tony Hale was great. Uh, I forget his character's name, but... Uh... I liked that. A nice little sub-villain. Um, and he always got to love a hut. So, Yes, it is uh, Grabala the Hut, we should say. Grabala. Oh. Um, a, voiced by Master Shake himself. Yes, exactly. And then <laughs> the, the young boy's name is Dean. Oh. Um, and then I am trying to find the name. Was it, was it Vinay or oh, something? Oh, Vinay, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Vinay is the character voiced by... Tony Hale, aka Buster Bluth, aka um, Gary from Veep, aka <laughs> the Bagman, yeah, bag aka the guy from the uh, Volkswagen Mr. Roboto commercial in the 90s, if you guys remember that commercial. <laughs> uh, he, he was one of those guys as well. So, uh, why do I know that? Again? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, not far from you. I believe it was actually. Uh, it was it was like two guys in their car dancing to Mr. Roboto. And then it was actually it was referenced on Arrested Development as well. Because he gets his hook stuck in the car as he is mm. dancing to Mr. Roboto. Um, <laughs> just fantastic reference there. Um, anyway, so uh, we, we meet these characters. I, I thought they were all a lot of fun. I thought, oh, the, yeah. I thought the, the kid character, Dean, is a little bit of a nothing character, but that's sort mm -hmm. of the point. He's sort of the, the, the character that the audience is supposed to you know, connect with. And just about mm -hmm. every Star Wars character has a doe-eyed naif who has to be taught the ways of the force. And so that is, that is this character for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but then, so we, we get yeah. three different sort of tales uh, told at this, you know, uh, from different perspectives. One is called the lost boy. And that is a straight up parody of the eighties film, the lost boys down to the <laughs> lost boys, saxophone guy uh, mm -hmm. having a cameo here, but it's also the story of, um, ben Solo turning to the dark side. Mm -hmm. Now, here is my first of the sort of big questions here. How much of this, if any, should we consider like canon storytelling? That was I, my big question too. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, I, I think that um, po, like the Poe part, so I think the vader having um the apprentice i think that is canon at least in lego canon this is the part that i don't know right is there a separate lego canon that ropes in the lego clone wars the um freemaker saga and then this or i mean because as we talk about this is the only post trilogy stuff we really see so i don't know I think that stuff is canon. I don't think the stories themselves are. Um, I think they're at best like Mad Max level canon-ish. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write the Christian Slater version of Ren into <laughs> the canon because um, we already have a, a comic book that is a little bit different and darker, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we've seen. Um, Bad Batch contradict comics before, so who knows? Maybe it could be. 
I, for the first story, I, th- I I had the same question for the Lost Boy story with Ben Solo. I I had the same question, and after seeing that first story, I thought maybe it could be canon. Um, I and I don't want to say too much about the other two, but moving through the other two stories, and by the time we got to the third, I felt like, well, this is not <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We'll we'll talk about those in a uh, in a few minutes. Um but yeah, no, I I, th- I think that the first story like so here is here is what bugs me about this. Not because of this, but 20 minutes or so of this special, if even that, no probably 15 minutes are dedicated to getting you from how Ben Solo becomes Kylo Ren. That is about 14 minutes more than three films did to tell you <laughs> that story. Um, and I feel like the story told it in a, in a pretty, like easy to understand way that makes a lot of sense and is Mm -hmm. a little bit, gives a little bit more form to like in in the force awakens. They basically say like, well, Snoke turned him. Okay. Well, how did Snoke turn him? And then in the last Jedi, they say, here's the moment where Luke turned on him, but they never really give you the in-between part. They never give you. We know that Snoke was going after him, but we never really know why. We never mm-hmm. really know how. And then when we find out that Snoke is actually just like maybe a clone, maybe a puppet clone type thing from Palpatine, it further confuses everything else, right? But this gives yeah. like a very clear, like <laughs> you know, a clear version of the story. Don't worry, they're gonna they will put out a children's book in five years that will explain it all, <laughs> like they uh, just did. Yeah, exactly. Yet again. Yeah, so it, it's crazy how these things keep happening, right? Um, but so I I actually thought that, that story was pretty well told. Mm-hmm. I wonder if something like the phrase Kylo being an insult, if that's something we'll see pop up someplace. Cause I feel like we know there are Knights of Ren, and we know that he is not the only one. So mm-hmm. ostensibly, P- ostensibly, there's like a... Little Petey Wren and a, you know, uh, you know, um, Ding Dong Wren. I don't know, like you know, who knows what, what these names are going to be. So I feel like giving <laughs> giving an understanding or at least a definition of what Kylo means that that's not a bad that's, that's not a bad thing to have. Um, yeah, I just don't know if this. Oh, I did not know sit. these names. <laughs> well, what are the names, by the way? Vicroll, Cardo, Ushar. Trugden, Kirkruk, and Oplek. My made-up names were better than that. Yeah. I wish yeah. there was a little PD well, Wren. They were the Knights of Wren, originally uh, brought, ran by Wren, and then Kylo comes in, and somehow Kylo becomes their leader. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, but I don't know. It- I agree with you, Brian. I think the story was so well told, and I feel like mm-hmm. it was a story that needed to be told in some sense. And we wanted, maybe, or at least I wanted to hear more about Ben Solo's backstory. And I feel yeah. like this Lego episode did a good job of it, which is why it felt um, like it could be canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it like the Visions ep- episodes are like, it doesn't take rocket science to make these things work you just got to get out of your own way and star wars is not good at that it loves to overcomplicate and focus on all the wrong beats um 
And it's it's funny how, you know, CGI Legos can really <laughs> hit the mark a little better. <laughs> well, I, I wonder I wonder how much of that is and look, I I always try to to what's the word I'm looking for? I guess temper my conversations about this because I don't want to be a guy who takes away the autonomy of the writers and directors of Star Wars movies. Because I think mm-hmm. that there should be, I think that if you are writing and directing a Star Wars movie, you should be able to say what happens in that movie. But Star Wars has a, they have a, a story group that their whole job is to keep track of what happens in Star Wars. So that if someone is working on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and they said, hey, how long was Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine for? There's not this like, well, the this takes place approximately this time. Like, no, there are answers to these questions, right? So there's a group out there that's that supposedly works with everybody in Lucasfilm to help keep all this stuff straight. And if you're going to have that, then I think you need to use that. And so it, it's kind of a you know, I, 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 I'm trying to walk a line here between letting the creators do what they want to do, but also making sure it all fits together. And I feel like maybe the reason that this all fits together so well in the Lego Tales is because you don't have the, I don't know if it's the ego or the clout that some of these other creators have where they can say like, no, this is, I don't want to do, I don't care about that. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Th- this is why we've seen the Mandalorian and the Bad Batch somewhat contradicting things we've seen elsewhere because those projects are maybe big enough that they feel like all right, they can give those creative folks a, I don't want to say carte blanche but more leeway with the story they can tell versus like the guys who are doing the Lego films are probably not very high up in the Lucasfilm pecking order and so they, <laughs> they're maybe just better at at taking orders from people mm-hmm. I don't love that but I mean yeah do you think that's maybe the case? I mean, maybe. Also, I mean, part of, I I'm not afraid to say, like, write better. Like that's <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and that's again the same same thing when we were looking at the prequels. Is like just write better. Like, what are you doing? Like, again, I think it's just priority on the wrong pieces of it. And maybe when you know. You're focus like you're not creating a world. You're not creating, you know, all these things. Your focus is on, you know, landing some jokes and having some character development and, you know, writing in the very, you know, telegraphed um you know, uh coming of age that we want to see and come on like it's fine. Maybe that's part of it, but still it just I I don't think it, I don't think it's being too hard on them to say you can like go in your own directions, but make it make sense. Right. Yeah, I think the audience and the expectations are very different for you know a Disney Plus Lego series and a wide release film as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you know it's it's funny because you would think that. 
like if you know if, if we're hypothesizing this all right one of these stories is going to really tie together the sequel trilogy and one of them's going to go off in its own weird direction you would think that the weird direction would be the lego one but it's not the lego one kind of ties together the trilogy and the third film kind of goes off in its own weird direction <laughs> really ties the room together yeah exactly yeah. it's just a very very strange it's a very strange way to to do this yeah um all right, so let's let's get into the second story then, and I think the second story is the one that, in some ways, is both the most interesting and also the uh, the sort of least uh, surprising because this is basically retelling a story we already saw, uh, or at least we a story we knew kind of happened. So this is called the Dueling Monstrosities, and this mm. is the uh, Mall and. Sidious story. So Matt, you are the Clone Wars uh, guru on this show. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about this. This is something we've seen before, correct? Uh, have we? Did I miss this? Didn't we know that there was a, like a power struggle between Maul and Grievous? That maybe I'm blanking on that. I don't. I don't remember that specifically. Huh? You talk for a minute about this. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. No, cause, yeah, because I I liked that setup of the two of them as um, enemies, but Maul isn't really in the limelight at this point. Hmm. Um, because we don't see him until much later in the Clone Wars series. Um, okay, sorry, I I'm thinking of a comic story here. Oh, which is um, well, now I want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. You piqued Matt's interest. Yes, it, yeah. it, it is. Okay, here is where I was confused. There was a, a story arc that was intended for the Clone Wars that didn't get made, and they made a comic of it, and it's oh. called uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is where all of this takes place. Oh wow, huh. that's awesome. I don't. I don't. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. It's it's not the like majority of the story, but mm-hmm. Matt, just looking at this, this looks like it's your jam up and down. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Death and, Watch, and, and, and it, mm-hmm. Death Watch, a part of it, you know. So yeah, yeah. I loved um, and also again filling in gaps is this Lego piece brings us from what happens with Maul in. Um, Phantom Menace into where we see him in Clone Wars, mm-hmm. where we see him as the reclusive, broken spider. Um, again, bridging a gap really well between the two. Um, but I, I love that we have, you know, Grievous being introduced again, more introduction into the character of Grievous and more backstory than we've <laughs> ever seen again in just the mentioning of him being rebuilt as opposed to him popping up on screen for no reason. Um, And then having the two of them vie for the favor of um, the, I (laughs) would, the robot chicken version of Emperor Palpatine, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) uh, which I enjoy. 
And then uh, a really interesting battle. And I think the what really sold that whole episode um, was the voicing of Maul. As soon as you said, I was like, um, Eileen was with me and she was kind of IMD being some of these people as we kept hearing voices we thought we recognized. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait, is that someone? It's like, yep, nope, that's him. That is the tour de force that is Maul. I was, I was sad. I thought we had heard the last of him. Um, I'm glad he was back. I want, I, I think we're going to get a, uh, this is, I have no evidence of this. This is just me thinking out loud here. I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get something like a Maul Death Watch, um, uh, like the, the sort of like the Maul consolidating his power before Solo. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna get like a Disney Plus series about that. Ooh. I can see that, especially with them like making it clear that they're not dropping Kiora and Crimson Dawn. Right. That they're gonna keep up with this underworld plot line i could see that definitely being a piece yeah yeah <laughs> so i i think we're gonna see maul again but yes to, to 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 bring to bring it back to what you were saying uh the person who voiced maul in the um in the clone wars tv show whose name is now escaping me um i believe his name is being human That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what is his name um because ray park play like visually Played him in the in the film. It was somebody else, and mm-hmm. then uh, in the show, Sam Witter. Sam Witter. Thank Sam you. Sam Witwer. Witwer couldn't. Could, yep, couldn't pull it. So he is back to do this, and he is he actually did the voice in Solo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is now like the official voice of Darth Maul, and so that's he's amazing. Yes, he's very good. He he. It's very hard to chew scenery when you're not on screen. And yet he does that. He is, he is, he is excellent at stealing every scene that he is in. Um, Just really, really good at it. So, but yeah. So um, what did Liz, what did you think of this story? Um, I liked this story. I do like seeing Darth Maul again. I also, um, I I feel like we get so little grievous. I liked their fight. I also uh, in particular enjoyed the, I realize it, I don't know if it was meant to be comical, but well, maybe it was. We are talking Lego here. Uh, the ending of their fight, which gave me a real Monty Python vibe with their mm-hmm. loss of limbs. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, <I hate laughs> my dad as well. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, we get this idea that there's no honor among thieves at the end also. Um, how we know ultimately Maul is, is betrayed here at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I think that this is this was definitely um, maybe the least again the least surprising of the three stories. I feel like Maul is already a pretty scary character, so I'm not surprised that he was part of the Halloween one, especially when he's Spider Maul. That's a relatively you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a relatively uh, scary just oh, image yeah. to have. So, but yeah, this one was fun. I I do I do like that we're getting more. Just in general, like it, if this is if this is what Star Wars is going to be for a while, if there's not going to be another sort of major push towards doing new stories with new characters, but rather just filling in gaps, you know, the Mandalorian, for all we love it, it's sort of filling in a gap, right? Uh, Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi, 
Andor, Ahsoka, all these shows are kind of filling in gaps from characters we already know and love. If those things are going to be the way we're going to go, then I love that they're not excluding Grievous and Maul and other prequels characters from that. You know, we should we should mm-hmm. be getting in my opinion, the prequels are the era of Star Wars that is that are the most ripe for new stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was the Whoa. other thing I was excited about. Um, we got to see droids again. <laughs> because realistically, what happened to all those millions of droids that just got decommissioned? You buy them for cheap, and the huts use them to build stuff. Roger, that Roger. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, mm. oh, man. Zombie Rogers? Ooh. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, denizens of Earth-1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster One. And I'm Elias, the Bendis One. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. And so then the last of the three stories is essentially just a, a Twilight Zone story. It's called The Wookiee's Paw. It's a Twilight, It's a Monkey's Paw story. Yep. And it's introduced for your consideration. Yes, it is. Uh, and uh, Luke get, gets a, a Wookiee's Paw from Watto. Nice Watto callback on Tatooine. <laughs> and, yeah, I thought we were done with that stereotype, but nope. Yeah. We're... <laughs> I, I was surprised he showed up. So was I. Although in this, like... I feel like if you've ever seen the, the Twilight Zone episode that this is referencing, or even the Simpsons episode that this is referencing, <laughs> like Watto is the perfect uh, salesman yeah. for mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, that, that that Simpsons episode, that I forget which Treehouse of Horror number that is, but um, that has one of my favorite exchanges between Homer and the salesman, which is uh, the monkey's paw is cursed, that's bad, but it comes with a free Frogert, that's good. The Frogert is also <laughs> cursed, that's bad, but you took your choice of topping, that's good. The toppings contain, and then he says some like chemical compound, and Homer just stares at him and he goes, "That's bad," <laughs> and it's uh, it's fantastic. It's it, it's a really good exchange, um, very funny. So yes, uh, watch The Simpsons, guys. Another Disney property now because of twenty because of the Fox merger. Um, but anyway, um, this was you know this was the silliest one. This was the um the one that was clearly not in canon. But I do have to say there was there was one moment I really loved from this, which is I loved seeing Leia and Obi Wan in the X Wings, mm-hmm. um, blowing up the Death Star. Because you think if Obi Wan had not met Luke, Obi Wan was Obi Wan would still be alive. I mean, oh, not, yeah. not today, but you know, in the time of the film, <laughs> uh, he would still be alive. So, yeah, yeah I like that. Like, uh, thanks for saving me. It's like, oh yeah, I got out of there real easy. It's like, yeah, well. <laughs> 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 That hit surprisingly dark for me. Yes, <laughs> I like I liked all of the all of the references, all the callbacks, all the shot for shots, the uh, the um, using the grappling hook, the kiss for good luck, mm-hmm. the uh, <laughs> Vader riding on his back oh. like Yoda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, choking admirals to death. That was fun. Yeah. Training montage. But yeah, that 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 I thought was hilarious. That 
that reminds me a lot of the one of the two stories that didn't make it from the novel form of the tales of Luke Skywalker um, that didn't make it into the manga we read. There's like a goofy alternate timeline where like it's a drunk guy telling a story about how everything was a sham and it was a, like a conspiracy theory and a hoax. Um, the Death Star was an inside job, all that sort of stuff. Um, but say, same idea of just like turning everything on its head. Uh, I loved it. That was very, very funny. Yeah, this was fun. Liz, what did you think of this? Yeah, I, I like this one too. I, I feel like it was an episode that just sort of played with and shifted my expectations um, you know, since it followed a pattern that, you know, I was and I assume most viewers were familiar with in some sense, but turned it on its head. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, you know, I knew what to expect, but it just changed it in a way that made it interesting and made it it made it funny. Um, and, you know, all those things that that Matt mentioned, I, I really enjoyed um, you know, running Vader on his back um, and things of that nature and sort of I always enjoy a, a repeating joke like the 180 reverse proton maneuver, which then mm -hmm. fails. Um, a little bit of hubris will, will get you every time. Um, so uh, I enjoyed that. And I liked how, you know, Luke would wind up being famous for the same thing, but just opposite uh, right. sort of world here. Yeah. But it also makes you think of if somebody had made a different pitch to Luke, Luke was intending to go to like Imperial Star Academy, um, he so easily could have just been recruited into the Empire. If somebody had made the right pitch, he would have been in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we also forget that uh, Han Solo was in the Imperial Navy. Mm -hmm. We forget mm -hmm. that Obi-Wan basically helped create the Empire. <laughs> There is, mm -hmm. as a general, like, you know, there, there's a lot more gray area there than I think is oftentimes shown. Yeah. Wedge was a defector. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. Yeah. But his, his zeal, I think just with whoever tapped into it first won and Obi-Wan got there first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So here's my big question before we wrap up. Is this going to be the only place we get stories set after the fourth set after the Rise of Skywalker? I I think for the foreseeable future, yeah. It's kind um, of crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not unheard of though. It's um Star Trek has only been mildly treading up until Picard the timeline forward for like 20 years. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah. Like, I, I think it just comes to a, like a front end and then they're just kind of like, Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like it's a, a land they don't want to broach because it is on, um, it hasn't been broached yet. And I feel like that's always a land for movies, not for TV. And part of me wonders, 
Because going into the past, and we see this um, with a lot of like the early Clone Wars stuff, and maybe the, even the High Republic, I'm not sure it, does, if that has anything to do with the Sith. Um, but there's no big bad moving forward anymore. And that's where they like realistically screwed things up with bringing Palpatine back. Because you make it that there's no evil other than Palpatine. Um, and he just represents the evil of the Sith, and you've now won. Um, you run into the issue that the Extended Universe had, where who's your new villains? And as much as a lot of people want to defend a lot of the pieces of the Extended Universe, now known as the Legends Universe, no one's going to go to the mat for the Yuzum Vong. Nobody, <laughs> like, no one wants to see another new threat. And it's really hard to introduce that without feeling non-Star Wars. Um, so I wonder if they move forward, how would they? How would they? What would be the the big bad? Yeah. And I don't know. I, yeah. And I, too, I think nostalgia is such a, a safe bet in many ways um, when it comes mm. to whether it's a big bad or someone like that. And I... I do like new stories and I think a lot of us like new stories and I, you know, I think some of these series that have been successful, I mean, the Mandalorian has shown us that, you know, there have been some new characters, um, but nostalgia is such a powerful thing, even, well, maybe especially with star Wars, it's sort of a safe place to tread Mm -hmm. a time that's already been, um developed in some way so here here is my my answer to the big bad question matt which Mm -hmm. is that i don't know if i don't know if there needs to be a big bad in star wars because i i I think if you're looking at i know it's not the real world so just forgive my saying that but Mm-hmm. If if you look at the world, right, there are times when it does feel like there is a big bad in the world. Like most of that's propaganda bullshit, but like there there was a time where, you know, Russia was the enemy of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? There was a time when uh the Taliban was the enemy of the world or whatever. But there's also long periods of time where there are minor skirmishes happening here and there. And I think that one of the problems with Star Wars that we've talked about a lot on this show is that there there needs to be more than just the battle between the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah. And while I think that that is ultimately where my favorite stories tend to come from, there can't that can't be the only thing we're doing, right? There has to be other stories there. And so maybe we just have to get better at creating smaller conflicts and maybe maybe tell some stories that aren't necessarily universe changing but just changing for, you know, a character or a group of characters. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the benefits of Rogue One is that while Rogue One is a story about the Empire, it's really a story about, like, six people, Mm -hmm. some of whom are in the Empire and some of whom aren't. And so I think if you're going to go forward, you know, you, you have to think about ways to do that. And I also think that, they kind of shot their shot with the first order is the remnants of the empire, right? But you cannot do, you can't now do like 
the second order is the remnant of the first order. Right? That's, that story has been told. So you have to create something new because if you don't create something new, you're just telling the same story over again. And you, let's be fair, the first order was just telling the Empire over again. Right. Yeah. So, so there, there has you have to do something new, and maybe that something new isn't having a universe-shaking ramification. Oh, I was gonna say maybe that something new is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, mm. well, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that's what you want more than almost <laughs> more than almost anything in, in Star Wars. You want more Thrawn, and I totally oh, yeah. understand why you want that because I think Thrawn's a really interesting and unique character in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still comes out of the Empire to a certain degree. Sure, agreed. Uh, I I think the test of it will be, um, the Book of Boba Fett. That is potentially the first really not attached to this Jedi Sith thing that we're gonna get because Mandalorian seemed like it was going to be, but then ended up being very tied into, uh. <laughs> the Jedi. So I think you can do great things not attached. My my very favorite um book growing up was the Tales from Jabba's Palace. I love the scum and villainy end of things. Mm-hmm. I just think Star Wars in general doesn't have faith in things that are not part of this black and white conflict. I would love it if they started to um, I think it would make for a much stronger franchise. So hopefully they can. I mean, maybe this is just my lizard brain not necessarily remembering things properly, but would you guys say that Rogue One is maybe the best, the the least, this, the, that's what we're looking for. I feel like there are people who love The Last Jedi and people who hate The Last Jedi. There are people who who have those sort of similar feelings about all of the prequels. I think Rogue One might be the most universally beloved without the vitriol that comes with it. And that's not a Jedi Sith story. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you have, you know, a little bit of that because of the Guardians of the Will. But basically, Guardians of the Wills, rather... Um, yeah. You know, but basically, that's not a story about about the the Jedi and the Sith. And I would say the Mandalorian is by far the most successful TV thing Star Wars has ever done. And that's not real. I mean, that that does have you know, some elements to it. But I think that the first season, before we meet any other Jedi besides Grogu, that was the most well received show on TV. Essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Agreed. maybe that is where they're going. I mean, hopefully they – and the problem is they get shy real quick um, because once Han Solo – once Solo did not do what they wanted it to do, they pulled plugs on a lot of projects that we were looking forward to. So hopefully The Mandalorian has reopened those gates because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Solo was plagued by – far bigger issues than the fact that it didn't have a Jedi in it. Yes. Probably with constant rewrites and changing of hands more than anything. Um, I'll even but... say, I think the biggest problem with Solo, and we'll talk about this eventually when we, when we revisit Solo, 
is that it came out only six months after The Last Jedi. And if they had just given it a full year after The Last Jedi, I think it would have been a very different story. Because A, you would have had more time to fine-tune it. And B, fans wouldn't have been as um, fatigued by Star Wars, shall we say. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, also, it's got a cast of 25 people who I'm someone who co-hosts a Star Wars podcast, and I could name three of those characters. So In Solo? Yeah. Let's try. All right, who can you name? I, I can name Kiora. Mm-hmm. Um, Solo. Han. Han Solo. <laughs> Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a monkey. Uh, there's movie? there's Tandy Newton. Um, I don't. There's Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah, I could name like who they are. The, there's the, Paul Bettany. <laughs> the girl, the girl from um, Winter Soldier. Yes, Infant's like, her Nest. Her name is with I, a Z or a Q or something. Infant's Nest. Infant's uh, Nest. Yes. Okay, not a Z or a Q. Infant's Nest. Yeah. Infant's Nest. Well, that's yeah. the name of the group, right? That's the name of the group. Yes, I don't know her name. Oh God, I yeah. couldn't. Oh. I couldn't tell you her name. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, a miracle um, worker? Come on. There's. You're, you're not Scotty the engineer. No, exactly. I think there's a guy named Moloch. Oh, is there? Mm. I think so. Only because I've been really getting into collecting the uh, Star Wars Micro Force figures, and Series <laughs> Four has a bunch of people from Solo, and he's mm. one of them. So <laughs> I had to look up who he was. I see. But yeah, well, I don't. I don't know. Darth Maul. Oh yeah. Yeah, Maul's in it. There's You're a right. guy with the. Oh, man, the dude with the retractable skin. His name again with a D, I think. Oh. Draxus, maybe, or something oh, like that? Uh, uh, are you thinking of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. <laughs> no, but only when he got mad. Then he got the, the red marks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there was a whole crew that died immediately. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, my, my point is, with all of this, is just I think that it's... I'm glad that these these exist, mm-hmm. but I wonder if Star Wars is shooting itself in the foot by not telling these stories in ways that more people will be watching and that more people can build off of. Like to me, that is the joy of a shared universe. And this is coming from a, a comics geek of you know reading. I, I've been reading comics for something like thirty four years at this point, and mm-hmm. so you know I love that the stories that I was reading in the mid eighties when I was learning to read and these books were helping me learn to read that those things are referenced and built upon today. Like I love that. And I feel like there are so many things in star Wars, even just like the fact that, and this is supremely dumb. Let me just preface this supremely dumb that people didn't know what parsec meant when they filmed A New Hope, and so they they made some ridiculous thing about the Millennium Falcon doing the Kessel Run in parsecs, even though it's not a measurement of time, it's a measurement of of mm. like distance, and so they had to mm-hmm. basically create a like wormhole to make that make sense. But like, I I kind of love that somebody will take a mistake from 1977 and put it into a movie in 2018 or, or, or whatever that mm-hmm. year. Was. I, I I love that. I love that yeah. there is um that you can build off of it. My question is, 
if this is even close to canon about um about the the like Knights of Ren stuff, will anyone be picking up this story because does anybody even know it exists because of the because of the place in which it was delivered, right? Because it was because it was done in a Star Wars Lego thing instead of in a book or a comic or a TV show. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's a mystery. It is. <laughs> Truly is. Well, guys, uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't watched this special, you got a couple days before Halloween. I, I think we can all agree it's worth your time, right? Yep. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, get get to it, folks. Watch this special. It's a lot of fun. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. And remember, until then, the Force will be with you always. Always.